0: It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you didn't. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants podcast network. Let's go out there like a bunch of
1: crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number will start screening your calls in about 15 minutes. is 201 939 Hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us, that way you certainly can. Lance, Jeff, uh, yesterday Lance and Paul kind of went through the game on Sunday. Jeff, I know you had your say on the postgame show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just add this very quickly before we get to big picture stuff, Jeff, and then if you have anything else you want to say that you didn't say on the postgame show, you can feel free. Uh, look, <laughs> I mean, just just look at the offense. I mean, I don't Broke. care. You can talk about it, whatever you want. but if And look, I think this is kind of clicked for me last night what did the Saints' offense look last night with Ian Book as a first-time rookie starting quarterback and no offensive line in front of him? It looked an awful lot like Jake Fromm in the first half on Sunday, didn't it? Mm-hmm. It looked identical to me. So that's why when people were getting really upset about it, I'm not sure what else you expected. <laughs> mm-hmm. You saw the same exact thing with the Saints on Monday Night Football. You put a late-round rookie draft pick, having his first-ever NFL start, behind an offensive line that's not very good at protection, you're not going to be able to score or move the football. And that's what we saw, and it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. So that's all I have to add about that game on Sunday.
2: Well, look at look at the game last night. You got Sean Payton, one of the best coaches and play callers in football. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's called ability. It's called uh, learning how to play the position. And Lance and I talked about this the other day. And about, by the way, it isn't yeah.
1: Book and Fromm's fault. It's no. not their fault. It's oh, just that's the way it is.
2: No, I am not blaming any one of those guys. In fact, I want to go back to all the callers a few weeks ago that wanted to start Jake Fromm the first week he got here. Are you kidding me? We kept telling you guys it's not that easy. I will tell you this because I have experience being in this, not in the, as a quarterback, but knowing playing in the league as long as I did, how difficult this game is to play the number one position the hardest position to play is the quarterback position. You just don't show up on Sunday after coming off of a, uh, a practice squad roster. Here's the playbook. Go out and go against a number, you know, a good defense by like the, like the Dolphins, like the Eagles. I mean, it's tough. It's very difficult, and uh, you know, it's just it's it's hard to to understand how fast this game is played, um, especially on turf nowadays, and how the game just kind of advances right in front of your eyes, and you don't know what to do. And how guys move from point A to point B? Um, you know, you saw the interception, the first play, you know, the first series of the game last night. It was just like, wow, okay. Uh, I don't know if that ball got tipped or not, but you know, it's just it a, got tipped, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, those are all the things that go into playing the position. Um, as far as the Giants go, you know, they're just gonna have to to figure this out on the run the last couple of weeks. And you know, from the last game, we talked enough about it. It was just the Giants just do, cannot. I think that what summed it up for me, guys, and this is the last thing I'll say about the game last week, is that when the Eagles were asked about the Giants' ability to move the football and go down and score, I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing here, but somebody had said, "No, they you know, basically we're not we're not afraid of that. We we knew it wouldn't happen." That to me tells you a little bit about what's going on when you're when you're lining up against the Giants these days, offensively. It, it, you know, it's just it's tough. It's really difficult, and you know they got to figure it out. And, and by the way. I go back to that quarterback position. It's the most important. And if you don't have a quarterback, no matter what team you're on, you're not going to win football games.
1: Lance, you got something to add before you move on?
3: Well, the only thing I was going to add is in terms of the correlation between the Saints game last night and the Giants, You keep in mind Ian Book has been with the team for the entire That's season. That's a good point. Okay? Okay. Jake Fromm came (laughs) about a month ago, and Ian Book has been with the team, so there's certainly more familiarity with the offense, yet it was still a struggle, which goes back to what we were discussing, and Jeff was hinting at this, when the time is ideal to throw a quarterback in the mix, even if a young quarterback has been with the team all offseason, there are still limitations to what they know and how comfortable they are, because keep in mind, Ian Book was third, really fourth on the depth chart Okay, at the early stages of the season because you had Jameis Winston, you had Taysom Hill, you had Trevor Simeon, and that's what it took for him to get a starting job. So he had very few first-team reps, very limited opportunities to work with all of the players that were around him last night, and you saw how much of a struggle it was. And as John mentioned, they were down a number of their starting offensive linemen, so that didn't help the cause. But I think you just saw a guy that had much more experience with the offense Offense, and yeah. he struggled, what would you expect for a guy that's only been with the team for about four weeks?
1: Absolutely. All right, now let's get the big picture stuff, and I'm going to kind of launch off the news that came out yesterday. Uh, it was revealed the Giants announced that Matt Parrott indeed did tear his ACL on that play, so he will miss the remainder of the year. We'll see how quickly he can get back next season. Obviously, if he gets back for the regular season next year, that's about a nine-month recovery. That is on the really early end. Of an ACL recovery, though, I mean, you know, guys are getting back faster and faster, but we'll see. And and I think this is a good time to kind of talk about these last two game guys because, you know, I mentioned this at the end of the show yesterday, Jeff, we were talking about, you know, a fan called up and they were like, why aren't you guys more upset? Why aren't you angry? And and the point, and, and Lance and Jeff, uh, Lance and Paul made some good points. And I just, I came on real briefly because I didn't host, but I just wanted to add that, look, obviously no one wants this team to do better than, and we do, and we don't want to have to come out and talk about yeah, a, a team that's out of it every every November. But, you know, once you get to this point of the year here when you're, you know, they trouble enough scoring with Daniel Jones. Once you get down to Mike Glennon and, and Jake Fromm, like, y- you, you kind of know it's not going to be real good. So I guess my question now, you know, I, I don't really take much evaluation from what's happened with this team since Daniel Jones stopped playing in terms of how to evaluate them as a group moving forward. Because, Jeff, you made the point. It's a quarterback-driven league, right? Without a quarterback, it's hard to really know what's going on around, you know, with the rest of the roster. You don't have that quarterback on. I'm talking offensive specifically now Mm -hmm. to know exactly what's happening with other players if you don't have the quarterback to bring it all together. So I guess my question for you guys is – You know, how much have you taken out of the last few weeks without Daniel Jones? I don't take anything out of it. I just don't think there's any value in it on the offensive side of the ball. And then what are you looking for now? And we can take this from an overall team perspective the last two weeks. And I thought maybe you would have a good opportunity to evaluate Matt Parrott from, Mm -hmm. you know, he started last week. Maybe he would start the rest of the year, get some good evaluation on him, see where he's at. You know, And now you're looking at you're like, boy, do we know who any of the four starting offensive linemen are going to be next year besides Andrew Thomas? So when you think of those types of questions, what are the things you guys are going to be keeping an eye on these last couple of games? Because I'll be honest with you, I'm having trouble finding things that I can really take a lot out of. I'm hoping you guys can give me a, a couple of things to watch for these last couple of games. Jeff?
2: Yep. I think health is one. You want to you want to come out of the last couple of games with a healthy roster. The guys that are here. Well, thank you, Captain get,
1: Obvious, Jeff.
2: <laughs> so that's the biggest thing for me because when you lose a guy like you know Matt Parrott, I mean uh, that's a guy that you wanted to see for the next couple of weeks, and uh, unfortunately, I, I don't think he got a you know a, a great sample size of what you wanted to see out of Matt Parrott for the 2021 season. I know that that back injury really bothered him, and that kind of really set him back. Um, yeah, Captain Obvious, as far as health, I was just kind of tongue no, in cheek on that one. No, but I, I understand. I, I think no, but look, that,
1: Jeff, it's a tough question. Well, I, I don't blame you going for the easy one. Well,
2: well I, I don't, I, I do know this. I And we talked about this on our postgame show on Sunday. The backup quarterback position, you know, is, is any of these two guys going to be here next year? I don't know, but you got to play with a quarterback. So they're the two guys that are going to get, you know, the most look. So I don't know who's starting, who's not going to start, but, uh, you know, I doubt that you know someone like Mike Lennon, You kind of got an idea of what he is, but I think you're going to have to see what, if you got something in Jake Fromm, and and that's really I'm looking at that uh, the running back position. You know, Devontae Booker is to me is a quality running back in this league. So and Booker you know, is under contract for one more year. So I think that you know I've seen enough to know that I would like to have him back and, and really have a healthy Saquon Barkley back. So the, the running back position to me is something that I don't really need to look at because I feel comfortable with both of those guys. To me, guys, I, I'm not even going to begin with the offensive line because when you look at the guys that have gone out of this lineup, Lemieux, okay, Gates, now Parrot, those were supposed to be maybe three of your starters that are, you know, from injuries that haven't had a chance to to play the the whole the whole season. So, I'm not even going to go with the offensive line. I think that's just too much of a thing to go. To me, this is where I want to see if the Giants receivers, okay? I know that Sterling Shepard went out and is he going to be back next year? Nobody knows. That's a major injury. But what bothers me about the wide receiver position, I think a lot of people including you guys will probably agree with me, is the separation issue. Uh, if these guys can't get separation I don't care what kind of quarterback you have in dropping back and throwing the pass it's not easy you got to have some guys getting open Uh, so I want to see a little bit more out of those wide receivers and some of the younger guys um, and then defensively, I think there's a lot of things that we can look at at the linebacker position. I think at the cornerbacks, I think you got a, you got a nice slew of guys there that you can build your team around. I mean, Robinson is a guy that I think is gonna is growing up in front of our eyes. And yeah, no,
3: unfortunately, he hasn't been
2: playing either. I know. Yeah, well, he's been on
3: the COVID yeah. list. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I think that, you know, I, there's a lot of things to look at here. To me, guys, it's just there is a bunch of them. And, and like you said, John, there's not really – it's hard to try to pick and find something that you're really interested in. I mean – Aaron That's,
1: Robinson, when he comes back, I think is a good one.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, I really do. I think he's going to be a good one. And by the way, I, I got to tell you, um, and I should have picked up on this, and I apologize. The other day on the, on the post-game show, we had mentioned about the Riley Dixon punt that went into the end zone. And – you know, the, the new guy that was there with number three. What's Garquez his name? Zarkes Denard. Denard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I now know why he didn't go after the ball. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, because he okay. stepped out of bounds and it would have been a yeah, legal touch. Yeah, and so, yep.
2: you know, that is, that's bad on my part. Uh, I didn't see it. I should have known maybe that that was going to what the reason was. But kudos to him. You know, because I was on him hard for not going after that football, but that's a smart play by him. Well, apparently Joe Judge yelled it to him as he ran by him as the gunner (laughs) on the sideline. (laughs) But you know what I mean, Lance, when you and I were sitting there looking, like what the heck is he doing just standing there? And um, I should have known that, but uh, good for him to know the rule because there are too many of the guys that don't know the rule.
1: Jeff, our special teams expert coming up empty. I came up (laughs) empty.
2: That's a shame. But (laughs) the
3: The other thing I was going to add, Jeff, that I think is impressive is the fact that, you know, Joe Judge noticed it on the fly and was able to at least scream at him to alert his player. You know, some of those things, you got to wait till you see the film and then tell the player, listen, under those circumstances, if you step out of play, you have to know you can't be the first person to touch the football. So to do that in real time is quite impressive under those circumstances. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I'm going to give... I'm going to give uh, him the benefit of the doubt that he knew the rule. Obviously, if you're a gunner, you should know that rule. Uh, although the, I remember one year, uh, the, my greatest gunner is David Tyree. I mean, him and I had the, just an unbelievable connection of those uh, coffin corner guys where he just turn around and catch it. But um, he actually made the mistake one time of going out of bounds and t- illegally touching the ball. And I was I couldn't believe it happened because I guess you just maybe he didn't know he ran out or stepped out but you know what happens but uh, and Jeff let him have it about ruining say, his yeah. <laughs> net average gave oh him God. an earful yeah yes it was a you beautiful scolded him. kick, too <laughs> beautiful beautiful r- slow roller down there to like the six yard line and you know everybody's around it letting it you know stop rolling and. Here comes Tyree to be the first to touch it, and I'm like, dude, well, there was plenty of other guys there that could have touched it, okay? You know, it's like the little kid that sees a piece of candy, and there's a group of guys on if we should eat it or not, and he runs in there and grabs it like, dude, what are you doing? Seriously? So, it happens. Anyways. Well, Lance, and that's what do why, you think? Well, no, I will get to that, but the one thing I just wanted
3: to add to what you were saying, Jeff, because you said there were other guys in the vicinity on your punt that David Tyree could have sat this one out. But there with the Denard there. one, yeah. he was really the guy in pinpoint precision area to get it before it was anybody no else could yep. get it. Yeah, so that's why it really stood out like a sore thumb right there. You're like, well, what is exactly he's doing? And then you find out and then you see the replay and he was taught correctly that obviously he was the first one to step out of play so he couldn't touch it or else it would have been a costly penalty as far as you know what to look for in the final two games I mean I think John it's all about the individuals more so than really any team takeaways because sure as you mentioned you're down to you're back up in your, your third-string quarterback, so you're not really going to walk away saying, okay, these are things you're going to build off of moving forward. And you know, I'm not a big believer that just because you play well in the final two or three games that you're going to carry that over. What are we talking about, guys, all off season, right? Everybody was talking about how the Giants finished last season relatively strong. Oh, well, they're just going to pick up where they left off. Football doesn't work nope. like that. Nope. So that's another reason why, to me, the whole team result is not necessarily big. And I by think- the way, Lance, Joe Judge was asked that
1: just, I think, what, a couple weeks ago, and he basically said, yeah, I don't believe... In- Taking no things from the end of the season yeah. to the next one—that's something that Ben McAdoo always said when he was there too. Sure. And I am. I am officially done with. Oh well, you you know, they finish the season strong. It's good for next year. If you guys ever hear me say that, or if a fan ever hears me say <laughs> well, that again, not the upside
2: the head. Run Shmo. in here and
1: whack me in the head with this boom mic, and, awesome. and just tell me to stop, please. Because I can't wait. I, I'm I can't with wait you. you. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> done. D U N.
3: Done. 12.45 p.m. Eastern on December 28th, John Schmelk gives permission Identified. to his colleagues to smack him across yep. the yes, head. Yes, I did. That, down. that is if we ever get back <laughs> in <laughs> the building. Only in that specific circumstance. I want to be You are on the stage at times in his vicinity. Oh, that's right. So, Ooh, yeah. You know, okay. it doesn't matter about the COVID rules. You still very well up, in. Yes. We're going to set you up, John. We're going to
2: set you up for this thing. and then <laughs> Set over. him up for it in the Lay pregame show in week 18. Let him say something about the importance the John Schmelk has <laughs> not been able to join us for the Factor Fiction Portion because Lance Meadow has just smacked him off the stage. Now, it would be more
1: fun if I made the rule that if Paul said it, we could smack him across the head because you know that's coming out of his mouth at some point.
2: Well, maybe point we in the should just week. change the rule then and just do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. Well, so, or it could, just
3: be, it could just be a rule across the board. It's not for an individual if That's anybody right. says okay. that, period. Yeah, there yes. you go. Okay. It's open season.
1: I have yeah. many powers. Sanctioning physical violence against a co-worker is <clears> probably <throat> not one of them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just saying, even Paul, I'm sorry, but I don't I don't think I have a lot to do that.
3: <laughs> anyway, Lance, who are some of the individuals that you've yes. been keeping an well, eye on the last couple
1: of weeks? Besides well, all the, a know. few other
3: names that I wanted to throw out. <laughs> I look at a guy like Ellerson Smith as somebody. Oh, that's a good one. I think he gets some important reps here. If you remember, he had a pressure situation where you know he disrupted Jalen Hurts by getting in his face in the last game. So you want to see him get maybe some opportunities, to take advantage of that. Jalen Smith is another guy. Hey, is this somebody that you see as part of your future? With respect to the middle of the defense, of course, you want Blake Martinez to return to full health. But if Patrick Graham likes what he sees, then maybe Jalen Smith could be somebody that they bring back and they feel is going to be a staple at the linebacker position. So there's another guy that I think is worth highlighting. You guys brought up Aaron Robinson. He's been in and out of the lineup. Remember, he missed the bulk of the front end of the season because of the pup list. So those are three guys, I think, in particular. It reminds me a lot, guys, about the conversation we had really with respect to Xavier McKinney around this time last year? Because remember, he only played in six games. It wasn't much of a rookie campaign, but you wanted him to get on the field, get the reps, get the experience, so that there's something that he could take away into the offseason to look back at film and say, okay, these are the things I did okay. These are the things I need to work on and so forth. I look at... The young players, or Jalen Smith's not necessarily a young guy because he's had some veteran years in the NFL, but those types of players, something that you can walk away film-wise and build on to work with him over the course of the offseason. So those, I think, are the three guys in particular that I think are worth highlighting.
1: I think Canary is Tony, too, right, to see how he sure. goes the season. He's a young guy you can keep an eye on. You know, is Billy Price someone that maybe you would want back as a swing guy, as, as a center guard guy next year, in some way, shape, or form? That's someone you can keep an eye on. Quincy Roche is another guy. He's a younger okay. guy. Sure. See how he plays. Jaron Williams, if he continues to get opportunities, maybe that's someone that can be a depth, special teams type of cornerback. So those are most of the names. Um, I don't think there's much more than that. Raymond Johnson, you know, he played 15 defensive snaps last week on the defensive line. Maybe that's another guy. I think we have a pretty good idea of what Tay Crowder is at this point, right? I don't know how much we're going to learn about him that we don't already know over the last two games. I'm just looking at all the guys that played snaps Well, last the week. other guy,
3: John, that I just want to throw out, but once again, I don't know if this necessarily completely changes the mind of the front office, is if Lorenzo Carter... Oh, that was another name I had down. Yep, good call. Yeah, if he continues to play as strong as he did in the last two games, as he has three sacks in the last two, does that perhaps... Signal to the Giants front office, okay, he needed time to recover from the Achilles injury. We like what we see. That warrants giving him a contract to bring him back for another year. I I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. That could
1: be part of the conversation. He almost hope, Lance, he doesn't do a whole lot. So then his price point on the market will be lower. So you have a better chance at retaining him. No, I'm not even not even half kidding. You know, because if he blows up, let's say, his three sacks the last two games, you know, somebody walks in, offers him a one-year $8 million deal or something like that. With incentives or something. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. That might be tough for the Giants to match given their salary cap yeah. circumstance. Well, I guarantee
3: so, you, John, his agent is going to be throwing out the film of these last few games and saying, see, when my client is finally healthy over the Achilles injury, you mm-hmm. see what he's capable of doing. I think
2: that's a big part of it. I, I think that early on in the season, just like any guy, any players, guys – you know until they get 100% and feel confident about how they can move around the field i think you look at a, a, a carter is a prime example of that i mean he didn't do much during the season until the last like quarter of the season here and that's because he's 100% healthy i'm sure and he'll tell you that um, and by the way the other day he also mentioned how this is his fourth season and how things are slowing down a little bit Hello, this is what it takes, guys. It's just not easy for these players to come in and just have instant success unless sometimes it happens. But those are, you know, those guys are just there. There's a small sample of them around the league that just come in and make a huge impact. I mean, you look at the draft picks in the National Football League this year that made the Pro Bowl. I think there might have been five or six of them, right? So there's not a lot of them, the young guys that come in and do real, real well. Well, it also depends on
3: playing time, too, Jeff. Some guys, <clears throat> especially if you're a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick, you're not necessarily going to come on the field immediately not and be for a starter, your immediate right? position. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be a rotational type of player. I There's actually a team think guy, the, yep. correct. So the other thing to take away from Lorenzo Carter is going back to the conversation that we had earlier in the program, guys, with respect to Matt Painter, and I think we got to throw Sterling Shepard into this conversation. When you suffer an injury this late in the season you figure that could very well, and once again, I'm speculating because everybody's different in terms of their recovery time, but I don't think you need to be a rocket scientist to say it could very well eat into the start of next season, right? But keep this in mind, guys. Lorenzo Carter was hurt in week five of last season, so he had the bulk of the season last year to begin the recovery process as well as the entire offseason, and it took him the majority of this year. Till he got fully comfortable. So just think about what a player who suffers in week 15 or week 16, a similar injury, how long that would take them to get back to full strength. Just something to keep in mind, not to be a Debbie Downer, but I think what Shepard and Paired are up against based on what Carter had to overcome, you can't dismiss that. 201-939-4513. 201
1: 939 4513. Giant fans, secure season tickets for the 2022 season today. For only $100, limited seats available. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888 NYG 1925. Guys, um, I would get to your calls right now. Unfortunately, um, because of the new COVID rules the last two weeks, we have a very, very uh, skeleton like crew here at the facility. You know, none of our interns are here. So Pearson, who's working the board, also has to shoot camera for the Joe Judge report, which is being filmed right now. And he is going to come in as soon as Coach Judge is done breaking down those plays. So I do have three people on hold. I just can't screen them. I don't know what your names are. So uh, Pearson should be in the next couple minutes, and we'll get to your calls here again at 201-939-4513. And here's the other thing, guys, which why I think, the you know, just – the last few weeks have been difficult because, like I said, I don't think you can take a whole lot out of the last few weeks based on how how it goes. It's almost like you have to stop evaluating the team, you know, after the game against Philadelphia. Is that the game Jones got hurt in, right, the Eagles game on yeah, November 28th? Yeah, he got hurt in the Eagles game. You know, so you almost have to, you know, get your evaluation done in terms of, you know, where the team is in the direction on November 28th, which is only 11 games. But then you look at, you know, the upcoming offseason and just talking about Where this team's going to have flexibility to make changes, right? And I just think it's going to be a really, really narrow window where this team can make changes and make significant additions. Now, we know about the salary cap situation. We don't know how much the cap is going to go up, but the Giants are literally, I think, in the bottom five, Lance, in terms of available salary cap space as it stands right now. Heading into next season. It's not a lot. They just had, according to reports, they restructured a couple contracts just so they could bring guys on and off the practice squad the last couple weeks. To say they're up against it is a understatement. They are up against it now. There are ways to create salary cap space, but there isn't any low hanging fruit like you've had in years past. Oh, well, you save ten million if you cut this guy. You save twelve million if you cut that guy. they don't have those guys on the roster anymore. You know, just the way the contracts have been structured. There isn't a lot of easy things you could do to free up money that you could renegotiate, but that then pushes money down the road, and then that doesn't solve that makes your problems in future years even worse, which is kind of what they did last year to fit those guys under. So I'm not sure if that's something you're going to want to do. So I think just trying to figure out where these changes could be made in the offseason in terms of player personnel becomes very difficult. Like, this is kind of going to be what their wide receivers are, right? Unless they use one of their draft picks on somebody, like they've got a, they use the first round pick on on Tony. You know we'll see about Shepard, Slayton, stolen the contract. He's had an off year. You know could you add somebody in the margins at wide receiver? Sure, but this is kind of going to be what it's going to be. Like I don't know where those changes are going to happen. You know defensively, I think you spend all this money on your corners. You have a bunch of young safeties. You just signed Logan Ryan. Your secondary is kind of going to be what your secondary is going to be. You have two young guys in Holmes and Robinson. You know, up front you have Williams and you have Dexter Lawrence. You have Ojolari. We'll see if Carter comes back. They certainly don't have money to spend on a big time edge rusher. You know, you could draft again. You can add people through the draft. They do have a lot of draft picks this year, which is good. So, given where the offensive line is, and we talked about it, we don't know who the other four starters count them. Four starters are going to be besides Andrew Thomas. I just think it's it's tough to see you know, where you're going to be able to make these significant changes and where you can focus those changes on, given the avenues to make those types of additions, are going to be slim. And we talked about this last year after the free agency period, right, that maybe it's a little strong to say it this way, but they were virtually locking in their roster for the next couple of seasons based on what they did last spring. So this, for the most part, again, you can add guys in the draft, you have a lot of draft picks, potentially mm-hmm. two top 10 picks, one top five pick, but otherwise this roster's going to kind of be what the roster is going to be next year in a lot of ways with only some changes on the you know, bottom 20 players or so.
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, you've hit the nail on the head. I, I, it's not it's not that easy just to go out and find four new starters on the offensive line through free agency and the draft, and then you got, you know, this, this, and that. It's not. And I think that, you know, the salary cap, according to NFLPA, and, and what's going to go maybe to 208, I think, is the number that they have, you know, which is going to be a bump of $25 million from what it was last year. So you do get the luxury of getting – of capitalizing on that uh, increase. But the fact is, is that – You know, you're going to have to manipulate a lot of stuff to with some of these contracts. Every team does it. Um, So and if you're going to need money to go spend, you are going to have to find it somewhere. So how important is that, John? Well, it, it could be important if you if you had money. It's great. But if you don't, you're going to have to go fall back on what you just said. You got to look at your roster, see what you got here. Uh, rely on what you have done in the draft the last few years to to have those players develop and become good players for you and then work the draft this year and you know of your 11 draft picks how many do you what is it we said Lance the other day like the first 80 picks with five picks and five
3: in the top 80 so
2: you know I think you can you can really do some damage there with the five picks in that top 80 you can get some really good players to help you uh, try to win games with and that's where you're going to go from John I think you hit a great point you don't have a lot to work with and so you're I think what you really got to do is is lean on the coaching staff to get here and really kind of get these guys to to develop and get to come and start playing some football that's and again what, and, yeah. and
1: and again Jeff just to just I have actually I'll, I'll give you a number uh this is a projected I think you said 2 thousand 209 million right is is 8. What 2 is what I'm pay. reading here yeah yeah I mean look, we don't know what it yeah 2 that that's what Track has for their thing. And, you know, again, these are unofficial numbers. These numbers can change. But as of now, they have the Giants just based on the contracts currently on their roster with only $3.5 million of cash base this spring.
2: Mm-hmm. And you yeah.
1: know what that doesn't even cover? Your draft class.
2: That's right. So there's going to be changes. Yeah. John, yeah. if I could just jump in here. Yeah, I brought up the transcript
3: that Dave Gettleman and Kevin Abrams had when they spoke to the media in oh, April yeah. of oh, this yeah. year. Later just on. To- Yeah, just to provide some context about what we're talking about, about the moves they made this offseason and what their outlook was in 2022, I find two interesting answers. The first question was, what are your expectations for the cap next year and how much did an expected increase play into how aggressive you guys were this year? So Kevin Abrams was the one that answered this question. He said, quote, well, we don't know what next year is going to look like yet, referring to 2022, so we're making some conservative assumptions. We were aggressive this year. We had to do probably a few practices that we normally typically try to avoid, but with a lower cap number and some plans to be aggressive, we had to do some of those things. We know that next year's number could be a low one again, and we're prepared for whatever the outcome is, end quote. So that was one response.
1: And Lance, just just so the fans understand, those practices that they don't generally like to do are things like restructuring contracts and pushing money into future years.
3: Sure, correct. And that's what they did a lot of, which is why Kevin Abrams used the term not typical and uncharacteristic move. Then another answer, which I find interesting, this was the question to Kevin Abrams again. Kevin, you mentioned also that you had to do some things that normally you don't do in regards to contracts and money, future money down the line, void years and that kind of stuff. How would you categorize where you stand financially moving forward for the future for the next year or two, let's say? This was his response. Quote, I think 2022 – Could be a little bit of a challenge depending on where the cap goes to. Mm -hmm. Beyond, I'm more optimistic that nothing that we've done last year or this year puts us in any kind of precarious position. Next year could be a little bit of a challenge. We'll see. It's going to depend on science and state legislatures and fans and stands and a lot of other variables, and we'll see where it goes I don't think we're in a bad spot cap-wise, but next year could be a little bit more challenging than probably the years after that, end quote. So I think those two responses pretty much piggyback off of what we're talking about right now.
1: No, that's perfect context. Thank you. Yep. I think that summarizes well what, what we're discussing. All one nine three nine four right, it's time to go to callers blind. All right, so I got three people on hold. I have no idea who you are. So I'm going to just go one by one here. What you guys are going to hear is you're going to hear a click, and when you hear that click, that means you're the caller that's being brought on the air. So let's get ready to do this, guys. Again, the phone number is 201-939-4513. All right, let's go to our first caller. Caller, you are on the air.
2: Click. (laughs) (laughs) Line one, speak. Click. Is it me? I'm not sure. Yeah, there you go. You go. We got a voice.
4: Okay. How you doing? Good. So this is Abdul from Minneapolis. Abdul,
2: what's up, buddy? Hi, How Abdul. are you?
4: Good. Yeah, so uh, you guys are the finest uh, uh, fans of Seinfeld?
2: Yeah. I am. Right. So
4: the yeah. giants, giants are right now what I call George Costanza. And they need to implement the George Costanza rule, which means whatever they want to do, do the opposite of. <laughs> okay. So if they want to pick Kevin Abrams as a GM, don't pick Kevin Abrams. If they want to stick with Joe Judge, don't stick with Joe Judge. Do the opposite of what they want to do, and I think it'll work out fine for them.
1: Can I do a quick uh, public service <laughs> announcement for you, Abdul? Yeah. For the and I, this, this guy keeps fooling people, and I feel like a dope for even mentioning it because I don't want to, you know, publicize it. The Wes yep. Steinberg Twitter account is a parody fad account. It's not real. Stop retweeting him. He's literally putting things out there just to make Giant fans upset. It's not real. Okay. It's fake. He's trolling everybody. He does a great job of it. But, my goodness, the people that take this seriously. I mean, guys, West Steinberg, fake account, not real. Okay. Go I, ahead, Abdul. I'm sorry. Re- I wasn't referencing him at all. It, it, it I know. But I no, wasn't. but I, people, I people are retweeting him, sending me texts with his tweets like, John, what could you say about <laughs> this? I'm like, guys, it's fake. Oh, it's wow. all
3: fake. Yeah. Who is this guy? Sure. <laughs> Jeff, you haven't consulted with him? Is no, that what
4: you're
2: saying? No, I have say? no idea who he is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. go ahead, Abdul. I'm sorry. Se-
4: se- second question. Yesterday, one of the callers called up, and he asked uh, Paul and Lance, do you think the team has improved – Under Joe Judge, and you guys didn't answer the question. You guys kind of went off on this echo chamber thing and blah blah blah. It was a pretty straightforward question. Do you guys think the team um, in the second year have improved under Joe Judge? And I'm not saying I'm not looking for anger. I'm not looking for you know any kind of you know diatribe against Joe Judge. I'm just asking a simple question. Well, I would say Abdul, given the
1: fact that even if they win their last two games, they have no way to get back to the winning percentage they had last year. Based on the results, have the results been better? No, absolutely not. I mean, that that's simple well, uh, math, no, I, right?
4: I'm, okay, not a dozen. Just just the eye test. Just looking at the team, at the performance. You know, the the, the, the record the record is, is not really indicative of if a team has improved or not. Some teams, you know, you know, have bad luck. You know, whatever. You know, they've, they've whatever. But just the eye test. Has this team played better than the first year? Well, what, I think the defense
3: think? the defense has been a bit up and down, but the defense was up and down last year, too, I would point to. Mm-hmm. I think Patrick Graham has tried to get the most out of this unit. It's hard to pinpoint a tremendous stride made on offense because of the personnel right. they've lost. And look at the offensive output. I mean, that's pretty much stating the obvious. I mean, you'd be sure. trying to, you know, grab at straws at this point to try to find, so answer, you know, yeah, big positives no. on that side of the ball.
4: The answer is no. The, the team has not improved. Under George Judge, under the second year, the, the team has not improved, right? No, is the answer.
1: No, Abdul, I think from the stuff that we're able to see from the outside, there are not many noticeable outside signs of improvement.
4: Okay, fair enough. Okay, great. That's that's that's, that's what I think. That's what Jeff. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, it's hard. It's yeah, exactly. I mean, if you if you're wanting for us all to say no, it hasn't. And then what is your response? I think that's kind of where you're going. You want us to say no, no. No, there no you go.
4: I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, I'm not looking for any kind of grand statement. I just think that that's what a lot of frustration about this year. As is that this team has not improved in the past. It might have regressed. I think that's why people have so much vitriol, right? Oh no, now I'm doing and, and I get
1: that, but then let's figure out why yeah. it hasn't improved, right? Yeah, exactly. Well why if what, if you why why compare the two. No, no, I'm with seasons. Lance. I think the defense is kinda similar. I think it got a little bit worse because the run defense isn't as good but I think the way they've approached the pass defense has been pretty similar to what they did last year, but the run defense hasn't been the same, you know, because of no Dalvin and no Blake. So, And we talked about that yeah. in the offseason, So, yeah. Otherwise, I think the defense has been very similar from last year to this year, except, again, no Dalvin, no Blake, the run defense has gotten worse. So that's where and, I put the defense. Uh, do you think that's fair? Yeah,
4: totally. I, I totally agree. Okay, uh, so, then, so, so then
1: offensively, you know, I'll do it real quick. I will let you finish. Offensively, then, really quickly, you know, where do we want to see improvement, right? We want to see improvement at the skill positions. Well, the two guys you added to improve at the skill positions, Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney, were hurt for a huge part of the early season, all right? So that killed that. Your offensive line was supposed to get better. Well, you lost two-year starters in the offseason. Andrew Thomas certainly improved at left tackle. I think we definitely see an improvement there. And then on the right side, you know, you haven't gotten what you want out of Matt Parrott. That hasn't worked out. And, well, Hernandez hasn't bounced back. So, no, you haven't seen improvement there. And then at the quarterback position – you know, I, early in the year, I thought I saw positive signs. I thought those kind of faded after the first month or so of the year. But he, Daniel kind of looked like the same as the guy last year, based on what was going on around him. So, look, I think that's how you kind of have to break down on an individual unit basis, and you look at the whys rather than just the whats. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, but also I think people are frustrated because they think other teams that do that have improved. That you know that that maybe started out on the same level as the Giants. You know, did in this year, and they now, you know, these teams are are in
3: competition for the playoffs. So, like, well, can you give us an be, example, though, in uh, fairness, Abdul, just so we I have think, I think something? Diego, I think San Diego
1: is a good example of that. Who? You I'm know, sorry, though, I didn't catch that. Though who? Over the past over the
4: past five years, you know, San Diego wasn't that great, and you know, they were kind of in a rebuilding mode, and they just have done it faster than we have. Um, who, who else? Is the top? Of them? Well, Miami. That's kind of a freak show. You know, losing seven and winning or losing seven, the winning seven is kind of a. And that's not really how people do it, but they have improved.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um, that's fair. I, um, I, no, know, no, no, I, I think Miami's a better example because the Chargers added a, a top-level quarterback, and that's going to lift all boats. Well, and, and also went out in free agency well, to that, improve the that, offensive that, line, too.
4: Daniel Jones. you know, Daniel Jones was picked at six. So, he, you know, he should have been that quarterback. No, that's fair. But
1: that's fair. Whatever,
4: whatever. That's fair. Okay. Um, and my last thing, and I'll let you guys do it. I appreciate the phone call. Um no one, everyone talks about getting rid of Daniel Jones and and trading for Russell Wilson, and I think that's that's kind of ridiculous. The, the one person that should be traded, I think, you know, and um, and I kind of cause I love the guy, but should be shake Saquon Barkley? You know, I think he is the most tradable. I, I don't know why, and no one talks about trading Saquon. You know, um, you know, he's I'm not, I'm not sure if he's the same or whatever it is, but we're not we're not, we're not getting, you know, uh we're not getting what, what, what we should be getting out of that position. And I think he's the most tradable. I think there's a GM out there that will, that will get, you know, give us more uh, drafts, uh, draft, uh, draft, you know, this year's draft, maybe next year's draft.
1: What do you think, think you could, think, could get well, for him, Abdul, in your opinion?
4: You know, I'd, I'd maybe a fourth and a fifth. Or a fourth or a fifth.
1: That is a very reasonable response, Abdul. I appreciate. Yeah, I that. was expecting a higher. Yeah, pick me out too. Of him. No, <laughs> I yeah. think I think that is a I think that is a very reasonable answer. And so,
2: is it worth it?
4: Yeah, and I, I you know, I think it, You know, because you know, the more draft picks you have, the, the more darts you have to throw at the board. You know what I mean? And I think at this point we need a full quiver. You know what I mean? We need. <laughs> we need, we need well, we need Abdul, actually, let, let me
2: ask you a question. If so, if if you have, and. Oh, God, I hope so. You know, the go through the rest of the season and, and Saquon it comes out of the season healthy. you got another offseason where he's going to improve. Are you willing to give up a fourth and fifth draft pick for the propensity for him to maybe all of a sudden in his final year of his contract I, really ball I out? I just
4: don't see – I don't see – unless he suddenly becomes Gale Sayers.
2: Well, I mean, I mean that's, that's going to be hard you know, to do. You know
4: what I mean? <laughs> And and he, like, runs for 2,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, I really don't see that position. We, we get someone else through the draft who could be almost as good. You know what I mean? You know, might, might be a touchdown or two touchdowns less. But at this point, and it's been proven as a running back, you know, you could, we, we can we get someone who is, who is a booker is serviceable. I read a book, uh, by them, right, number 28. He's right now better than Zaycron. You know? So we could, we could go many ways of getting someone – Back sure. to fill the position while getting some draft capital. Thank you, Abdul. You know, yep. All right, look, guys, I appreciate the phone call. You You're welcome. Hey, Thanks you for too, calling man. in.
1: Happy New Year. Hey, guys, look, I'm going to even just put Saquon as a player aside. Right, whatever you think of him. At what point do you say, well, he's on the last year of his contract? If we don't plan on re-signing him or extending him, does it just make sense to get something back for him so he doesn't just walk away for nothing?
2: Well, you also you're gonna you'll be able to, you know, with salary cap money, what he's gonna make be able to be off the books for that too, you know? So Yeah, I, you you I, would you would save cap space on a trade. Yeah, like I don't know that. how That's much true. it is. Um I, yeah, I think i you're believe talking about the no food trigger option right? triggers. I'm
3: sorry? No, the fifth-year option is going to start to trigger, Jeff. That's what you're insinuating. And normally, the fifth-year option for first-round picks is a little bit more expensive Mm -hmm. than what the earlier years on the contract are.
1: Yeah, and and, and none of that would be dead money that would stay on the Giants cap. All that money would theoretically transfer to the new team. Yep.
2: Yeah. Anyway. So And and, and maybe somebody blows you out of the water and comes with a higher fourth or fifth that we talked about and and that, you know— saving money on the cap and getting a third rounder and it's time to move on and boom, boom, you know, who knows?
1: And again, the, 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 that was more me asking a strategy question. Like You can even take the name of the player out of it and just like say random player A, you know, is it, you know, how much do you think it's worth to get something for a guy if you don't intend to re- not resign him? Maybe the Giants will end up resigning him and that the whole question's moot then, which is why I don't even like to put a name to it. I'm just talking theoretically. Sure, sure. That That's a question I think front offices all around the league have to ask themselves when they get players approaching that last year of their contract.
3: Right. Well, it's no different, John, than the conversation with, and I know we don't want to assign players, but Evan Ingram, right? I mean, there were a lot of fans saying the same thing. If the Giants are not necessarily going to have him in their long-term plans, they should look to move him. So, I mean, to me, it's very similar to the whole Saquon hypothetical conversation. And I I think that if you don't have plans to re-sign a player and you could get something in return, I think you should certainly explore that. But at the same time, with respect to if it's gonna be a fifth round pick, let's say, in this hypothetical conversation, I just I don't know if there's the benefit of saying gain an extra fifth-round pick versus rolling the dice and seeing Saquon another year removed from the torn ACL, I can agree. he get back a little bit more to that level of explosiveness? Yeah. And then maybe he warrants wanting to be re-signed, right?
1: Or if he's so I, good, another team signs to a big contract and you get a fourth-round comp pick for him.
3: Sure. I mean, there's a lot of scenarios, but I guess under that circumstance, John, if I were to give my hypothetical answer, I would rather hold on to him and yeah. see if he could get back. And I think this is what Jeff was referring yeah. to. If, yep. if he could get back to that level versus just adding a fifth-round pick, because I'm also looking at it from this standpoint. If we're talking about the Giants already have a high volume of picks going into 2022 and five in the top 80, I don't think right now they're in dire need where they're saying, yeah, boy, right. if we had one extra pick, it would take this draft class to a whole other level. If they were in dire need, guys, and they needed a few extra picks, I would say, okay, maybe I'd explore it a little bit more. I'd rather roll the dice to see if Saquon can get his legs back under him. No,
1: Good yeah. argument. Good yeah. argument. And this will obviously be a debate that we have all off season
3: as the Giants try to That's a preview of what
1: Big Blue Kickoff yes. Live is going to be like
3: in the middle of April.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Middle of April. <laughs> try the middle <laughs> of February. <laughs> middle of February. 201 <laughs> <Yes. laughs> 9394. we got our work 13. cut out for us this year. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> all right. So, once again, folks, I don't, maybe Coach was a little bit tardy because I still have no sign of Pearson. Maybe he was intercepted on the way here. So, we're going to keep going to callers cold. You hear the click. That means you're on. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from?
5: Hi, it's Scott from New Mexico. Scott, what's up, buddy? Okay, I just want to make sure I was on. Yeah, you're on. Uh, Okay, well, as I said, I've been uh, listening to all the games stoned, so they make it more
2: palatable to watch. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) A little too much information, but that's okay. I know.
5: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, in all seriousness, the Giants in totality, have scored exactly 22 offensive touchdowns, which is less than they did last year. And uh, in regards to Abdul's question or or answer about Saquon, he scored two running touchdowns. Now, he's been heard, and even if he's word trade bait material, I don't think he'd warrant anything right now because everyone's going to be skeptical about his injury. So he's going to be on the roster at least for next year.
3: Well, Scott, if I what could just th- interject here, I get your point personally. I don't think touchdowns for a running back is the end-all, be-all statistic. I think you're much more concerned about yardage per carry, the explosiveness. Those things to me are much more important. Because case in point, the Giants just played the Eagles. You know how many touchdowns Miles Sanders has this season, Scott? Same as Colin. No, I don't. That's right, it's a donut. Okay, okay? But, he has not scored. So are you going to trade right. Miles Sanders because he hasn't scored a touchdown?
5: Right.
1: But the Giants are good
5: averaging point. 95 yards a game. There's only, I think, two or three teams worse than that. No, look, Scott, Scott, league.
1: Scott, if your point is that the Giants' running game has not been good enough this year, no one would argue.
3: Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm saying and that's a better have... indication than touchdowns.
2: I guess that's what yeah. I'm getting. Yeah. At. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah. You right. have more of an argument there and to you... keep
2: them for that. Correct.
5: Right. And you have to have a good running game no matter what. And
6: I think you guys were very honest
5: in saying that. No matter how many draft picks the Giants have next year, it's going to take a while. It's probably going to be 2023 before the Giants are actually back to some semblance of where they can actually perform the way we hope all the Giants fans hope they will perform. But my real serious question is the the question with Daniel Jones. Because I think he's had three MRIs now. I, I believe. I'm not positive on that. I think he has. And they still haven't announced what his problem is. And yet, he has, he has a sprained consu- neck.
1: They announced that it as right. a sprained <laughs> neck. Yeah.
5: But, but a sprained neck could mean a lot of different things, like he has a disc problem or some other thing, only because I know a little bit about it. And I'm just wondering what happens if Daniel Jones can't perform next year? Say he's out. Uh, you're not going to do anything with Mike Lennon, and you're not doing anything with Jake Fromm. You have no real backups. What do the Giants do if Daniel Jones is more seriously hurt than anyone's leading on to? Because the quarterback's obviously your your cinch pit. And that was my main question. Where do you where do you go? Do you look for a quarterback who's in the league or do you take a chance again and draft another quarterback? And that was my uh, I mean, real question. Scott,
1: right. I haven't evaluated the quarterbacks in the draft, so I I really I'm not I can't right. answer that right I know
2: it's right. early to do that, right? There's not, there's five okay. of them, but they're not, they're not the greatest. Um, I'll give you my answer real quickly, Scott. Um, I, okay. I feel like that, you know, we talked about this on our postgame show, Lance and I did about the backup quarterback position. Sure. Depending on what you want to pay somebody, that's what's going to determine who it's going to be, in a sense, because the the top ten backup quarterbacks in the league, the number ten guy makes three and a half million dollars. So right. if, if you're going to you, – so we were just talking about the salary cap. So where are you going to position yourself to spend that type of money on a backup quarterback? The other one would be to bring in maybe a backup quarterback of that value and have him compete with Daniel Jones. Maybe that's what they do, okay? Because okay. you got, you got Daniel Jones at $8.8 million on a rookie contract. That's pretty darn good. If he's healthy – and he does win a job, and he goes and plays well, then you, you're you're doing well. But if there's an injury where it's more than what you think it is, maybe it's an indicator when they bring in a, a veteran guy. And I'm just hypothetically spitballing here that maybe that's what you see. Who knows? But I will tell you that it's going to be a veteran backup quarterback is going to cost you money, and you and the Giants don't have a lot of it. So we'll see. And yeah, was, you're I'm talking not, about four no, to seven million dollars potentially
3: on a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Thanks, yep. Scott. Yeah, and yep. I want
1: to say this too very quickly. What I get if you're a contending team, you want to have a good backup quarterback so that if your starter misses a few games or a month, you can kind of stay afloat. But as a rebuilding team, is having a ve- the, the payoff for having a veteran backup. Is it really enough of a payoff to make that sort of investment in it? I guess is my question.
2: Well, let me ask you this, John. If you well, let's just hypothetically think that, you know, we had a quarterback in here who let's just call him Nick Foles. I just throwing the name, you know, just whatever. Who and, knows and They may court, play him on Sunday, by the way. But go ahead. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <I might. Yeah. laughs> and and you know the the way that the wild card is working with this this year, I mean, you know, maybe those 3 or 4 games that you needed wins out of, you got 3 of them could put you in the mix right now. Yeah, but I mean, I understand the premise of what you're talking about. I really do. I mean, it's
1: look, look Jeff. They've played four games. You're telling me that Nick, when Daniel Jones couldn't go three and no, one, I, that the backup I, I is going to go saying. three yeah. and one. No, I know what you're saying. I know. You know no. what I'm saying?
2: Yep, I, 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 get it. I get it. It's just there's this is there's so many layers to this question, um, but I understand where you're coming from. Um, but as as Lance said, you know, if you're going to go down that road, it's going to cost you between four and seven million dollars to have a guy like that. You know, and uh, you know, I I was just thinking, you know, maybe they do bring a guy in like that to compete with Daniel Jones. You know, maybe to see how that happens. Um, you know, I think we're gonna lot we're gonna know a lot more what's gonna happen here in May with the uh
1: or, or or what you can do is just pick up Josh Johnson big season and just let him throw for 280 yards which is what he seems to do <laughs> no matter who sides him. Yeah, How about Jets, that guy? Ravens, it's
2: unbelievable.
3: Yeah. And, uh, hey, he was a former Giant. Once a Giant always a Giant. That's so. right. <laughs> there you go. With respect. to... No, but in all seriousness, unless Jeff you had more to say I didn't no, want to I'm cut not... you off. Yeah, okay. You. No, what I was going to add the example that I'm coming up with, John, and, and I agree with you. I, I think you got to ask the, the cost valuation. You have to have that conversation. But I guess I keep thinking back to the Eagles, where, you know, most people didn't think the Eagles were going to be in the playoff hunt, and they are. So, you know, sometimes you have an outlook for your team, John, and then you hang around mathematically, and then you wish you had a capable backup to maybe keep your head above water. So they went out. The example that I'll give you is, and this is not necessarily going where Jeff and I were talking about in the post game. Maybe you trade for somebody that's still on a rookie contract, like Gardner Minshew, okay, had shown some flashes, is not comfortable in that environment, the team was ready to move on from him, and then you utilize him as a backup developmental quarterback who you're willing to take a flyer on that perhaps could be a spot starter and, to Jeff's point, maybe even compete for the starting job. Because I think when the Eagles did acquire Gardner Minshew, they said, listen, if Jalen Hurts doesn't pan out, or he, God forbid, gets hurt because he's a mobile guy. We have somebody with previous starting experience. We're more than willing to have him be our starter. You could go that route, and with the Giants having a volume of draft picks, maybe they use some of those resources to explore that. I think that's another way where maybe you don't need until your salary cap and you sort of kill two birds with one stone. No, see, I, I like that idea because you're
1: bringing, you're not bringing in, like, Colt McCoy, right? No, You're of bringing in a not. guy yeah. that could theoretically, as a young guy— that has shown something could, you know, be like a short-term solution. So, yeah, I, you know, I think that would be an interesting way to to look at it. And would, like, a sixth-round pick be worth that investment, right? Because I think that's what they traded for Minter, right? A sixth-round yeah, pick? Yeah, I think it like was that? that.
3: Correct, yeah. And, and I don't think that's bad value. And here's the other thing connected to that, John. You know, going back to the last caller, Scott – And listen, we can't sit here and speculate about Daniel Jones' health. The bottom line is the Giants evaluate him. They issued a statement. They are optimistic he's going to make a full recovery. And I think that's what we have to go by. But does it hurt to have the conversation? Should we have an insurance policy in place? God forbid he has a setback. Nobody's got a crystal ball. So I do think it's valid to say, can we upgrade the backup quarterback position? And can we bring in somebody that we have confidence that could maybe Give us two or three starts. God forbid Daniel Jones doesn't play because John and Jeff, regardless of the current neck injury, the bottom line is, and Jeff, you and I talked about this on the postgame, mm-hmm. Daniel has missed at least two starts in all three of his seasons. Mm-hmm. So the track record is there that that justifies having some protection in place no matter what his current injury status is. 100%. Yep. alright three nine four five one three. I think
1: someone that was just holding for most of the show just clicked out, by the way. We hit our little half-an-hour time limit. Um, so if we lost you, call us right back. I'll make sure we get you on before the end of the show. Um, I apologize for that. All right, let's go to Ben in California. He'll join us next. Ben, what's going on?
6: Hi, guys. Happy holidays. What's You're up, here, sure, Ben. Thing, Same first, to you. First, first thing first, I got to thank you all for making this difficult season and this difficult couple of seasons palatable. Um, you all bring energy and enthusiasm and a point of view that makes <laughs> losing interesting. I'll call it. And um, I really appreciate the work you do. So kudos to you guys.
1: Well, thank you, Ben. We appreciate that. Thank we, you. We try the best we can. You
6: don't, you don't, you don't, you guys don't get it enough. You really, you're like a support group for those of us, those of us who are long-suffering fans. I've been a fan since 1966. My first game was at Yankee Stadium. I saw the Giants lose to the expansion Atlanta Falcons that one twelve and one season. I spent the entire second half in the men's room trying to keep warm. <laughs> that said, that said, the question is really this. There are so many question marks on this team. I've never seen so many from top to bottom. Uh, you know, the wilderness years, as Mr. Marrow likes to call them. Yeah, there were question marks, but there were always a couple of guys that you could think would do something. Um, there are so many question marks through the injuries. Lack of uh, evidence of really what a player is capable of. What do you think is the one move
1: they've got to make? If there's one thing that they need to get better? Well, cue up the broken record. Here comes. (laughs) 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 I mean, I think you have to improve the offensive line. I mean, look, I I, I, I hate going back to the same thing. But, look, at least last year, right, even though the offensive line didn't pass protect well for most of the year, at least they ran block pretty well. I mean, you had around a six- or seven-game stretch in the middle of the year where they ran for 100 yards and averaged more than four yards per carry every single game, and that was with Wayne Gallman, who's been cut by, like, two different NFL teams this year, right? So at least that group last year could run block. What is this group doing consistently well this year? And again, this isn't necessarily the team's fault either, right? Three of the guys you wanted to start all year have been lost to injury, and good luck to any team that loses three of their starting offensive linemen due to injury over the course of the year. It's just really, really hard. So I think that's kind of what you're looking at there. Right, guys?
2: Yeah. Uh, That's where I'm starting. That's where I'm starting. Five five of those top 80 picks got to be a couple linemen in my my book. I'm glad you said that.
6: I'm glad you said that because to me it's like make the first five picks offensive linemen. I know you're not (laughs) supposed to draft for need. For, for crying out loud, the need is there. And bringing five young guys who can, can at least compete, even when you get to that fifth pick, to find the best Division three offensive lineman you can and let <laughs> that kid get out there and play.
1: Well, you know, it's funny, Ben. You know, the Giants are going to have two top ten picks. Even if the Bears win their final two games, the chance of them picking lower than tenth is extraordinarily slim, just based on what the records look like in, in, in the NFL. So you're going to have two top ten picks. And, again, I have not studied any guys, but I have – I've started looking through top 100 lists and mock drafts just to kind of get a feel for guys, and there is an offensive tackle out of Alabama that is close to a can't-miss guy. He's like 6'7", 350, but moves really, really well. Um, I don't think he will get to the Giants when, you know, with their first first-round pick. He might be a top-three type guy. Uh, and then, believe it or not, on most of Lee's lists, there is a top-ten prospect that's a center.
2: Oh yeah, and, the guy from Iowa, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: uh, Lindebaum, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And you never, ever, ever, never, ever—I don't think Lance in all the years we've been doing this—we've seen a center listed as a top ten prospect. We've seen guards. I yeah. don't know if we've ever seen a center, but they say this guy is like a generational center. Do pick a center? Maybe don't pick him with you know the fifth overall pick, but you pick him with like—do you pick him with the eighth overall pick? Like, do you get enough bang for your buck there? That's going to be something that I think is you know, talk about you want you want to preview the offseason? Well, that's going to be our conversation for like two months in March mm-hmm. and April. You know, do you value the center enough to use a top ten pick on him?
6: Yeah, great point. Um, I think the Bengals drafted a center first out of Ohio State.
1: Yeah, it was but that, 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 that was, was actually Billy Price, that was Billy Price. And, then, and he was what like 18th, right? Something like that, Billy Price.
6: Yeah. So, guys, just thank you again for a great season, for a great thoughts. Wish you good health, and uh, let's see what we can do. I'll see you in the men's room by the heater.
3: <laughs> thank you, Ben. <laughs> be well, same to you. you. <laughs> yes. We
1: appreciate the call. And by the way, Billy Price in 2018 was the 21st overall pick by the Bengals. And I think, just, I think Bradbury um, was also uh, the, the now center for the Vikings, right, Lance Bradbury? Yes, I think yeah, Bradbury. He was also, yeah. I think, a top 20 pick, if I'm not mistaken. Well,
3: I actually, I just brought up this article, which was written in 2018. So just keep in mind, it doesn't have the updated version of the last few drafts, but it just had this statistic that over the past 20 NFL drafts, so that goes from 1998 to 2018, 10 centers had been selected in the first round. Just to give you an idea. Right. Now, the way they label them, they have elite, they have great, they have good, and then they have adequate, and then bust. <laughs> so their elite guys are Travis Frederick and Nick Mangold. Frederick was 31st to the Cowboys. Mangold was 29th. Just to give you an idea yep. of where centers mm-hmm. have gone. No, that this is great. I love it. Alex Mack, 21st. He was drafted by Cleveland, but he's moved on since. Elite, he's really good. They have him as great, but he's okay. been a solid center. That's I fine. wouldn't argue that that was not a good pick. Then the good category, Ryan Kelly of the Colts. And I think Ryan Kelly probably has gone up more towards the great category given player. his play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marquise Pouncey was 18th overall. When Eric, was uh, Kelly picked? What what number? Kelly was 18th, 18th. as well. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Eric Wood, 28th overall. Eric Wood, of course, has since retired. He was mm-hmm. with the Buffalo Bills. Damian Woody, who was drafted by the Patriots, then played for the Jets, 17th overall. Well, so you he, know,
1: he ended up playing tackle, Damian Woody, right?
3: I believe center. so, yeah. He, 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 he played actually, tackles. yeah, he was a left guard, a right guard, and a right tackle yeah. over the course of his career. So he didn't even end up playing center, so you could
1: throw him out of there.
3: But once again, just in terms of where they're drafting, notice the trend is the teens and the 20s. Yes, that's correct. where we're pretty much and at. And by the way, and not even the lower teens, like fifth. back half of the first round. Sure, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we get to the adequate category. They have <laughs> Jeff Fain, twenty first overall in two thousand three to the Browns. Then Chris Spencer, twenty sixth overall to the Seahawks in 05. and then their bust is Cameron Irving, twenty third overall to the Browns, and he's also been with a few teams since. And by so, the
1: way, Bradbury has not really he has not been that great since he's been drafted either. And and you know you can Billy Price has changed teams already, so you could put those guys
3: wherever you want them. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that a center could go, let's say, and I'm not saying that we're solidifying this, but John, you were speculating, could he go in the top ten? That would be an extremely rare occurrence if that happens, based on what we've seen over the last two decades in NFL draft history.
1: Right, but if look, this is good, this is going to be exactly like the Quentin Nelson debate, right? Mm-hmm. And can, can the we all value of of a player that's not a tackle? Can we all fairly say that? There was regret in not taking Quentin Nelson. Sure.
3: Yeah. Well, I thought you were going to go with—is there justification right now for why the Colts <laughs> yes, took him? Right, I would correct. say
1: yes. Well, I
3: think there's justification. I think
1: the answer to both questions is yes, right? Sure, yes, yes. and yes. yes, yes
3: squared. Quentin Nelson's
1: pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. All right. 201, but again, that's a good preview for what March and April will sound like. Uh, we might Bruce as well just take live. this
3: show and make it <laughs> the middle of February right now. <laughs> We've two, covered pretty much every angle. so I, I, I knew this is where we were going to go when I decided
1: to do a big picture take off the top here. It's all my fault. All right. Let's go to our final call of the show. Go up to Albany and say, what's up to Bruce? Bruce, what's going on?
0: Hi, Bruce. Hi, guys. You're having the conversation that everybody wants to hear right now.
2: That's what we do. You for know, you.
0: Well,. <laughs> I don't want when you when you talk about slot receivers and safeties, that's like you're building a house and before you put the foundation in you're talking about what color shingles you want. Let's let's get this foundation built first. And I, I gotta say, it's it's I can't imagine having your job in a year like this, but all you guys bring something different to the table. And I I love Lance because if you don't have any numbers, it's just opinion. Lance is the guy who just jumps in there with the stats and the They're numbers. And, and I'll tell you, it, it just solidifies everything. Mean, everybody brings something different, but he
1: just does a great wow, job. Wow, Bruce is the charter member. We actually I found one. I knew John was going to jump in the with a little The charter member <laughs> of the yeah. Lance Meadow Band Lancero. Club. I was, I was just
3: waiting for a, a music at the mouth oh, when I was. you were speaking, yeah, Bruce. I was, oh, I was, like, it was just killing like, him. Bruce, he was having an talking. ulcer Bruce, during the process. Bruce, stop
1: talking. I want to yes. take a shot.
3: Let me take a shot. Here we go. And Bruce is a very farer going in Albany, too, so that's good. Yes.
0: Anyway. Uh, this center they're talking about—he's 290 pounds, and it reminds me of Justin Richburg. When, when you got up there, these big nose tackles—he he couldn't move them. I, I don't know if you can have a 290-pound center anymore.
1: Is he only he, 290 he, pounds?
0: 290. And it, yeah, but he must it, be, I don't be if doing Peter something right. Buttered if he's buttered up to 290, or if he's actually 290. I mean, some guys, you know, just
1: not a good question. He gets
0: he gets pushed around. He does, and, and that's in college. So,
1: oh, and, and and Bruce, by the way, and I started the conversation by saying, I have not watched a second of Tyler Linderbaum play football. I'm just going off of top ten lists. That's all I was doing.
2: <laughs> but just I note that name. We'll be talking about him, and, him a lot.
1: And, and by the way, Iowa, Iowa offensive linemen do have a pretty darn good oh, history, yeah. too. Like, yeah. they, it, it isn't quite Wisconsin level, but it's, like, right there. Well,
0: oh, he's a good athlete, and he's smart, but he – I don't know NFL when when you got nose tackles that are fifty pounds bigger, I don't like it.
2: And uh, look, now look I will say Ty- that, but you know,
1: playing in the Big Ten, he's seeing the some big, big boys. <laughs> he, he, he's
2: seeing some big boys in the yeah, Big Ten corn too. Corn fed in that division, that's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, anyway, Fundamentals, techniques. It's a, it's can a good go a long year ways. to need
0: off- It's a good year to need offensive linemen because I've been looking at them. And it seems like there's a bunch of really good ones in there. Yeah. So if you're going to load up. This is probably the year they know what their need is, and there's a bunch of guys just sitting there, and they can't possibly come out of this without at least a couple of them. Because they had two really good – I think that uh, they've got some good talent there.
1: They're just beat up.
2: Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, the and I will
1: say one other thing very quickly before we say goodbye, just because we're, we're on the draft very quickly. I do think – that this is a situation here where you're sitting on two top 10 picks where if there's another situation where you're able to trade down and move one of those picks into the following year, mm-hmm. you know, as we talk about Daniel Daniel Jones last year of his contract. We don't know how that's going to go from a business perspective. Yeah. You want to try to make sure you have the assets you need. If you decide to attack quarterback at some point, point. and again, who knows whether that's going to be the case, but that would be something I highly consider this year. If another team's looking to trade up now, Maybe that's not going to be the case this year because it's not a heavy quarterback class, right? That's what teams trade up for. And I don't know if there's really a quarterback that teams are going to want to trade into the top 10 for this year. Maybe there will be. I don't know the answer to that. But I I think looking to trade down to acquire, you know, you guys already talked about how many picks they have this particular year. If you can move down 10 slots and pick up a couple picks in future years, that would not be a— that would not be a, a bad decision, in my opinion. And anyway. if, in,
2: if in fact that you are putting your, you know, chips on the table, saying, "Listen, this is what we're going to do. We are going to be a rebuilding for the next one or two, three years," and yeah, because look at the teams that do this. They, they, they just get all kinds of picks yep. together. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the Dolphins. Um, you know, the call board of the Dolphins. Right? Yeah. What did do the Dolphins yeah. do? They stack picks. That's right, and yeah. they did it
3: for multiple years.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you know, yeah, you, your fruits of your labor down the road can help you. Um, but bottom line in this league is number one is that quarterback position. You've got to solidify that. And when you talked about you know the you look at the Chargers, they got a good one. They got a good one in, in Herbert. He's he's, he's going to be something special for a long time. And
1: by the way, you know what? If Daniel Jones ends up being great, he has a great fourth year, they sign him to a long-term contract, all right, well, then you use that extra first round pick the next year on somebody else. It's, it's not like it's not like you lose the damn thing, you know you what I mean? You would
2: like to see what he can do with some protection and a running game. Exactly. That's for right. sure. Which is well, why,
1: yeah. yeah, exactly, which is why I think it does make sense for him to be back next year. Also, just because I don't think there's, Really, any other great options out there given nope. the draft class and what the we already talked about their lack of flexibility and free agency. Last and $8
2: million for a starting quarterback in the National Football League is a bargain.
1: Yeah. Of course, the bigger
2: decision is then the fifth year option this spring, which yep. is something
1: we don't uh, need to get into that right now. Correct. Correct. But
2: they don't necessarily have to make a decision because he's still
3: under contract for 2022. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, it's not as if they've got, you know, a precarious spot where we have to make a decision or else we're going to lose him for nothing. You could always give him a contract after the rookie deal expires based on what you saw.
2: Or at but, the end of the season. Yeah, and by the, the way, yeah. and that's the thing. Like,
1: If you pass on the fifth-year option and he's really good, all right, then you just either franchise him or you
3: yeah. just sign him to an extension. 100%. 100%. Yeah, you have you got that franchise right. card. Yeah. Yep. And that may make more sense, especially if you're sort of saying to yourself, we want to see more. So if you want to see more, then don't lock yourself up. Right. Give yourself that flexibility. The only thing that I was Great just going to add real quickly to Jeff's point is not only do the Chargers go out, they get Justin Herbert, Jeff, but then they said, now we're going to protect him. And they did it exactly. right in free agency, and then they drafted Rashawn Slater. So they prioritize making sure the house is in order now that they have the franchise quarterback, and that's clearly what the Giants now need to focus on.
1: And right. not for nothing, as as much as we're all impressed by the Chargers and how well they're playing, the playoffs started today. They're not in. That's course, right. Yeah, yeah. They're eight
3: and seven, exactly. just above five hundred. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no, absolutely. and that's insane, right? I well, mean. It, because it just goes to show you, you need a defense. You need other things to work in cooperation with those other facets. Yeah, it just far goes far to show you that anybody can
2: team. beat anybody on any given Sunday. I
3: mean, well, they, they I'll, lost I'll, to the Texans, Texans this past weekend, I mean, Jeff. But this way, guys, <laughs> but on
1: the season, they're negative three in point differential. They've been outscored this year by their opponents. Yeah, that defense. Yeah, yeah I mean. Well, that's what I said. There's a o- whole other facet of the team. <laughs> Which is why quarterback records is the dumbest thing. And by the, the Aurora, way, you know, the Chargers, they put up
2: points, that. too. Yeah. So negative, th- negative three in the point differential. And you know, the Chargers, they, they're 30 points like nothing every week. So it's going to show you their defense is not good. Right? Do you, I don't know if you guys, I'll, but we'll play a quick game.
1: What team do you think has the worst point differential in football right now? Oh, goodness. Um,. In fact, you can even give me the bottom three if you want, because there are three teams that stand alone in oh, terms of point difference. you, oh, you, gotta, you, gotta you got the Jets. Okay, the Jaguars are the worst. The Jets are the second worst. And you I would say aren't the Texans. And they are the third up? worst. You Okay, guys. yeah, I
3: mean, that wasn't really that challenging. <laughs> well, I mean, look, look I,
1: I thought one of you guys could have said Lions. But the
3: Lions that's true. Are, the No, Lions, the Lions have played a lot of close games, they though, have. keep in mind. that's yeah, why I
1: wouldn't have said Detroit. Now, they are. I'll give you the numbers just real quick. I know we're way over, Sorry. Um, But I
3: think this is interesting. So the Jaguars are minus. Well, this was going to be a conversation we're going to have in March. So now we're moving that. Actually, no. I
1: I think this is a post-draft, like we're bored in June. (laughs) This is probably more like a June conversation. (laughs) Um, Jaguars minus 179. The Jets minus 173. Texans minus 153. Then it drops all the way down to the lines at minus 127. And oh, lo and behold, which four teams have the four worst records in the league right now? It's them. This is why I like using point differential, right? Then, believe it or not, the next worst team are the Falcons, who are minus 122, and they're 7 and 8. So they're a team that maybe they're not as good as their record might indicate. Uh, Then you have the Giants at minus 117, Washington at minus 110, Bears at minus 108, and there are no other AFC teams in that neighborhood. And by the, the way, those if you, two teams, <laughs> the next it, two weeks. It, yeah. Well, good for them, I guess. <laughs> and, and by the way, Lance. And by the way, just just for fun, you know, how people are saying how terrible the Seahawks are. They're five and ten, and they're brutal. But oh, the Chargers are eight and seven. They're fantastic. Seahawks have a better point differential than the Chargers do.
2: And their defense is horrible. Seahawks I mean, just-
1: are minus one on point differential this year. That's just me, I wouldn't have guessed that. Neither would I, but they just lost a lot of close games. And those can just swing
3: either way. Yeah, 100%. By the way, if you did this exercise and you looked at the top teams, the reversal, it's no surprise that those are the (laughs) playoff contenders too. I mean, it's similar to turnover differential. Point differential and turnover differential, to me, are the two strongest indicators of where a team is in the standings.
1: And by the way, I'll just say this. If you're thinking about Super Bowl winners this year, the team that's surprising, Lance who right now is the number one seed in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers, they're only plus 59. That's not great. The Cowboys are plus 150.
2: Gee, The Eagles
1: are plus 80. The Eagles have a better point differential than the Packers do this year. How about that number? The Rams are plus 90. They're better than Green Bay. The Cardinals, plus 88. They're better than Green Bay. The 49ers are plus 43. They're only 16 points behind the 12-3 and 3 Packers. So if you're looking for a team that maybe, you know, they go strong into the postseason, then maybe they, they don't get where they're going to go, you think they're going to go, that might be a team you're a little worried about. And on the other hand, in the AFC, you know, the Colts are 9-6. and six. They're plus 104. They have the fourth-best point differential in the AFC. So... Just some, and the Bills are by far the best at plus 163. In fact, they might have the best in all of football, the Bills, at 163. They do. So, just something to keep in mind here. Records sometimes are, can, can fool you a little bit when you, when you look at some of the other metrics underneath it.
3: Well, the one thing that I'll add, guys, is this reminds me of the conversation when we talk about the one time the Giants made the playoffs. Since eleven, yeah. which is two thousand sixteen, I don't know if you can look it up real quickly, oh, John. But absolutely. I always said, and I know all of you, I think, pretty much agree, that was a season where they were walking by the chinny chin chin. They okay?
1: were Lance. They went eleven and five, and they were only
3: plus twenty six. There you go. So that you know, when we have that conversation in the future, John, we have to bring up point differential yeah. for that season because yeah. that I think spells out Great perfectly point. why that was far from a dominant eleven win team. Which I've said time and time again. Yeah,
2: they, 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 they closed out. They won games. It's, you know, it's, but they it's,
3: won, Jeff, by like one, yeah, by three. They, they I mean, do it. constantly no, at the like end of last games. year and the yep. years
2: before where yeah. this team has, just doesn't know how to win the way, those close games. The
1: way you look at yep. these years, you know, you look at these one-possession games that are three-point games or seven-point games. And this is why I like to say, all right, figure you go 500 in those games. You split them evenly. All right? And you throw those games out. What are you in the other games? right? And Lance, we went through this exercise earlier in the year, right? Like what's the Giants records in games this year of I think what we did like more than 10 points, more than 14 points, something like where that. Where the game was decided by, by 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 more than two scores and their record was terrible. Yep. You know what I mean? So in order to be a sustained success in this league, you need to be able to win games comfortably sometimes, right? You can't be bringing every game down to the wire, which is why, oh boy, now we're getting on this thing here. I'm I'm killing people, I know. But that's why I think as much as defense is important, right? If you're a really good defensive team, in the end you're still going to play a lot of close games, and those close games can go either way. That's why I think offense is so important now, man. Like, if you're going to win games by a large margin, you have to be able to score a lot of points. And... That's how you win games comfortably. That's how you get your point differential. up. That's how you can consistently win games. If you're constantly depending on winning these tight games by playing conservative, you know, defense run and all that sort of stuff, it's going to be hard to sustain success, which is why, and Joe Judge, by the way, he's talked about, Jason Garrett talked about this before he was let go. You know, you need explosive plays on offense. You need to be able to score. It, to, to try to win in in this other way, and while i do think it's been the best path for the giants to try to win that way the last couple of years it's just a very hard thing to sustain long term it just it just is absolutely yeah anyway guys good stuff okay boys you got it yeah. Talk to you tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow it is Fiegels and I with you on Big Blue Kickoff Live. and It looks like Lance as well. I think Lance That's is right. popping on tomorrow yes. too. Excellent. Indeed. Very good. So we'll see you tomorrow, and we'll uh, try to find another wide-ranging, arching topic that <laughs> can make us go 15 minutes late. <laughs> we'll break down turnover yeah. <laughs> tomorrow. That's what we'll look at. Lance we'll put will that it. into the microscope. All right, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Big Blue Kickoff right. Live. Have a good one.